Hello and welcome to episode 14, 15, season 2, episode 3 of Among Other Things, the podcast about everything. Among Other Things. I'm one of your hosts, Trent, here as always with... Troy, the other one. <laughs> and Troy, so excited. Such a big day. You know, there's a little crisp in the air. The leaves, they are a-changing. Uh, I got my pumpkin spice latte on the way to school. It's a spooky time of year. It's a spooky time of year here at the quarry. At the quarry. And you know, our last episode, Oh, the Horror. The Horror. Featuring Kyle Lehman. Highest rated episode yet. So many great reviews. People said it was spooktacular. Is that a real review? I don't think so. But today is going to be even more spooktacular because we are here with the principal of the quarry himself, Mr. Larry Woldridge. Thank you, guys. It's um, truly an honor to be on your show. I've heard so much about it. I hope to outdo <laughs> Mr. Lehman um, and have the highest <laughs> ratings um, of the podcast. Well, we'll, well, that's a pretty high bar. Yeah. I mean, it's here. What would it be, 12, 13? Yeah, if, I think if you get a baker's dozen <laughs> listeners, then... Um, then we've probably made some success. Great. So, there's a very specific reason that we've got the principal of the quarry on here today. Not to talk about education reform or standardized testing. We're here because... Which are all spooky in themselves. Those, they are, are, those are the most some of the terrifying. spookiest things. Do y'all ever still have dreams where you've missed an exam or you missed a deadline for a term paper? Oh, absolutely. I still have those all the time. And then I wake up and I think... I have nightmares about faculty meetings, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> I'm sure you do. So, I heard through the grapevine, while on uh, a retreat earlier from one of our co-workers, that our fearless leader here <clears throat> must truly be fearless, because he, at least at one time in his life, was an occupant of what some might call a haunted house. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Are these reports true? Well, um, the reports that you have received are true, um, but let me preface a little before Please. we get started here. The events I'm about to um, let you know about occurred 25 to 30 years ago. And 25 or 30 year, years ago, I had a different walk in my faith, mm-hmm. and I thought that the house that my wife and I lived in uh, was inhabited by a disembodied spirit, a ghost. <laughs> okay. Now that I have a better understanding of the spiritual realm, um, I don't believe in ghosts. I believe that there are demons, and I believe that there are angels. And I believe that demons um, are evil. I think they're deceptive. I think they're destructive. And I think that they absolutely can appear as a ghost impersonating a deceased human um, and making you believe maybe something that you don't believe. So in retrospect, um, I don't think it was a haunted house. I think that it was a house in which a demon inhabited. I gotta be honest with you. I was not frightened going in. <laughs> but I'm I'm on the edge of my seat. This, I really want to hear these stories. This is E. T. level scared for me. Trent Ashcraft is terrified of the movie E. T. Yeah. Right. More so than like, you know. You so why don't you house. tell us let me begin the first at the time. beginning. At the beginning. Okay. <laughs> what an appropriate And that's place. when the fight started. My beautiful wife and I were married in 1987, and as most newlyweds, we could not afford a house, so we lived in an apartment. Um, after about a year of living in an apartment, we found a house that we could afford, and it was a 100-year-old 
fixer-upper house that we got at a very reasonable rate because it literally had a hole in the roof. I mean, it was a very fixer-upper house. Okay. Um, That's probably how the ghost got in. So, yeah. as we're waiting for the loan to process and... and <laughs> yeah, I just got that. While we're waiting for the... <laughs> I'm slow here. Uh, while we're waiting for the loan to process, we're living with my parents... Um, everything closes and we're now moving in. So, so one weekend we're moving into the house. It's one Saturday and it's now about nine o'clock or so at night. We've been moving all day. This is the very day that you very, moved in. Very first day we moved in. Um, and so we still had one more truckload to bring from my mom and dad's house. And we thought to ourselves, we can do it in the morning or we can just knock it out tonight. So it was one of those deals where we're going to knock it out tonight. So it's dark. And it's the first time we've left the house in the dark, knowing we're going to return back and it'd be dark. So we were debating on which light in the house to leave on. Because everyone, you leave the porch light on, you leave the kitchen light on, you leave a light on. So when you return, there's, you know... There's, You're not walking light. into your right. cabinets and stuff, sure. And so the back of the house had a breakfast kind of room. And so we said to ourselves... Um, let's leave this light on because it's the door we're going to be coming in. And, and I know this because we specifically spent time talking about what light do we leave on? What's the best light to leave on? So we leave the breakfast nuke light on. We go back to my parents' house. We load up the truck for the last time and we come back to the house. Are you ready for this? I don't know. Every light in the house is on bathroom lights living room lights kitchen lights closet lights there are 25 or so lights the entire house is illuminated with lights now do you mean like every room had a light on or that like every lamp every every light in the house we didn't necessarily have lights plugged up or lamps um but every light in the house was on and and that was the first indication that something was a little different about our house Um, because like i said we made a very specific discussion about leaving the breakfast light on so that was the one thing um that was probably in september or october and just throughout there are just little things that you look back and you think oh i bet that's what happened um things would be missing keys would be missing things would be moved and you kind of pass them off that um we did it and forgot about it but one night we're renovating the house and our master bedroom is being renovated and we're sleeping in the living room downstairs and um my wife was sleeping on her stomach and i was sleeping beside her and she turns to me and she says stop and and i I wasn't doing anything. She said, No, you. She said, You're poking me in the shoulder, and I, I wasn't touching her. So she turns around and she sees in the stairwell, and we the, the middle of the house was stairs. They went up, there was a landing, they went up a landing and circled back around like 21 steps that went up to the second floor. And and I can just see her face, and there's terror in her face. And I turn around, and I get a glimpse, but she actually stood in, or stared into the eyes of what appeared to be a woman standing, holding Christmas packages. Now, this is in about 1991, 92, and 
It's the 75th anniversary of what's called the Great Shepherdsville Train Wreck. And what happened on December 20th, 1917, was a passenger train was going from Louisville to Springfield. They had been Christmas shopping. There was a freight train <clears throat> on the wrong tracks, and this still train did what they called telescoping. It went through the wooden passenger train, and there were, I believe, 49 people killed. The ones who weren't killed immediately on the impact were taken to the local churches and the local houses. Well, this house is within walking distance of where that train accident took place. So because of our knowing that train accident, um, it was a woman dressed in 19-teens, 20s clothing, holding packages. At the time, we just assumed, well, this was a lady that got killed on the train, and she died in this house. So you could <clears throat> clearly see a figure of a person. Yes. And clear enough that you could make out the kind of clothing. I could draw a police sketch of her. How, well, I'm how not far? an artist. I couldn't draw a police head, but I could give... <laughs> you could pick her out of a lineup. I could pick her out of a lineup, yeah. She had long, dark hair. Um, she had dark eyes, like brown eyes. Was she... Did she... Was she... Did she look like a human, or did she look green or blue or white? <clears throat> she looked like a human standing in the middle of our house holding Christmas packages. Was it... My wife stared at her. I turned and saw her kind of walk away, kind of move away. I also saw her again later on. The same figure. The same figure. I saw her. I was, um, it was probably about midnight, and I was getting lemonade out of the refrigerator. <laughs> that sounds silly. Um, but the, where the refrigerator was located, you would shut the refrigerator door, take a left, and you would start up the stairs. And the second landing of stairs, there was a really nice window that stood at that landing. Well, when I got the lemonade out, took a drink, shut the door, turned to go up the stairs. She was standing on the stairwell with her hands on the banister with a very solemn, sad look on her face, just looking at me. She didn't have packages this time, but it was the same woman. Um, there are 21 steps, I believe, up to our bedroom. It took me three to get upstairs. <laughs> Sprinted up the stairs. Towards um, towards the figure. Well, she she kind of vanished at that time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, she, she didn't walk away or anything. She just... She she appeared, and then she was gone. And again, guys, um, these events happened like 25 or 30 years ago. And at the time, my belief was, well, this is a woman from the train accident. And we actually did research to see what 25 to 30-ish-year-old woman died on the train to try yeah. to figure out. Um, since, again, I, I, I do not believe that there's disembodied spirits roaming the earth. But I do think there are demons and angels. And we're still trying to figure out why is it um, we saw this image. But you, you, even if your belief about what that may have been has changed, you have not changed your belief that you actually saw. Oh, you, you have no not question. grown older, in other words, and you've not changed your opinion to say, oh, surely I was imagining that. Uh, no, absolutely not. And that was lemonade. It was lemonade. Okay. I, <clears throat> I do not drink. I've never taken any type of mind altering you weren't on painkillers no nothing pain like that killers nothing like that it was your wife didn't have a habit of dressing up <laughs> no <laughs> okay not she didn't want to scare you holding packages it was okay. it, it was all um it, I, I believe it, it all happened my wife believes it all happened and um so 
numerous things such as that. that those are the only times we actually saw her. There was another time, again, we're renovating the house, so we were not sleeping in the bedroom, but we're sleeping downstairs, and the electricity went out. First, it was an older home, and whenever the wind blew, the electricity went out, but it was a storm that night. So we had, the, we had a bay window on one side of the house, and the windows were open, and we were sleeping on the floor, and my wife screams and wakes me up. And so I wake up, and we again, we're sleeping on the floor. The window was open, the, 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 the curtains were flowing in the wind, and I look, and we had a candle lit, again, because we had no electricity. The candle had blown over, and about a foot circular part of the carpet was on fire. So I put that out, and um, she said, oh, I'm, I'm glad you shook me and woke me up. And I told her I didn't shake her. She hmm. screamed and woke me up. So something shook her, and she, she describes it as something took her by the shoulders, shook her. She woke up, screamed, then I woke up, and then I put the fire out. So a part of us are like, oh, she's protecting us because the house would have burned down, but but again, I don't think it was a she or a he. Um, so, so, so that happened. Um, so one, the two times <clears throat> that you saw the the figure, Image. yeah. How long? Are we talking a matter of seconds, a minute. How long did you? It was look a at? matter of seconds. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my wife saw her longer the first time than I did. I just got a glimpse of her. My wife actually stared at her. Uh, when I saw her on the stairwell, it was two to three seconds. And she, there was no, was there any noise, or did she say anything? Or? No, she just looked very sad. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, let me see where we're at here. Um, at that time, we have no children. Well, then, we had two boys within a year. My, my two oldest boys are, are ten and a half months apart. And numerous things happened with the boys. Um one of the neatest things, they were in the, the nursery. They, their cribs were both in the nursery. And one crib was on one wall, one was on the other wall. And my wife worked earlier than I did, so I would be the one to get them ready and take them to daycare. Well, more than once, I would walk into their room, and they both would be standing, holding onto the crib, looking at a glowing, misty fog. It's the best I can describe it. There, I would open the door and there would be this glowing cloud in the middle of the room. And they both would be looking at it. And I would walk in, I would see it, and then it would just go to a point. It would go off into the ceiling. It would just kind of go off. I would lay them on the changing table and I'd be changing their diapers and getting them ready. And they would reach over my shoulder like they were laughing at something and trying to reach at something. My oldest, when he was starting to, to speak, um, we would be in what we called the green room because it was painted green. Um, and he would say, ghost. And he would just point and, and say, ghost, at different times. Ashcraft and I just looked at each other. <laughs> my, my sister. Um, and you haven't put the house on the market at this point? No. Because you, at this point, you think it's helping you. It, it shows we you the fire. It's a, friendly, <clears throat> it's a friendly presence. It's a Casper ghost. Um, th there would be times where the boys would be um, maybe in danger, like like my middle son. Um, again, we were 
something woke us up. And we went to check on the boys, and Andy, a middle child, was not there. And he had, he had gone down the steps, opened up the back window, pushed his little picnic table up, climbed out, and was outside. And, and we feel something woke us, something physically yeah. woke us up to let us know your child has now left the house. And he was in the car. He had climbed into the car and was hiding from us. And, um, so How old was he? That happened. He was a toddler. Probably three or so. And he was strong enough to open a car door. Well, the other part of it is, what we don't know how he was strong enough to open the window because these windows had these weights. Old, old, old sure, yeah. houses have these weights. that. Um, so, so I don't know. We, we, we questioned how did he even open the window to climb out and to open the car door to get in. Um, but that he did, or somehow he did. There would be times where when they were still in their rockers or you know the little um, swings um they'd be hungry and 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 they'd be crying and we'd be fixing their their um their formula whatever it was it was going to feed them and we and then they would quit crying and we'd walk in and it'd be like they were looking at something just kind of content something was kind of calming them to to make sure they were not crying anymore that that again that happened numerous times um, my sister um, told me one day that she has friends that would go every Saturday night they went to one of the establishments that was down the road from us and that they always would see a lady standing in the front window and my sister said of, of, your house. of our house and my sister um, would tease them and say well that's their ghost um, they, they know that the lady lives in the house but they told my sister um, that every Saturday night they would see a lady standing in that green room where my, my oldest son would say, ghost, ghost, that there would be a little So this is now, it's, it's outside of your own family. Mm-hmm. Not only do you and your wife see this and your children, the friends of mine but now people from the yeah. outside are aware. Um, and this is, they're now just coming to me. So, okay. so we're going to be here for a while. Okay, okay. keep them coming. Um, if I can make it that way. The, um, the family we bought the house from one Saturday morning, um, they had a family member pass away. And so everybody was in town for the funeral. And one Saturday morning, unannounced, they knock on the door and they said, you know, we grew up in this house and we know you guys have done so much work. Can we come in and look at your house? Of course, you know, we, we said yes. So, so they came in and they're looking at, you know, what we've done with the floors and the walls and the paint and everything. We get up into one room, and, and one of the brothers said, Boy, I had nightmares in this room. Hmm. And my wife said, I have nightmares, too, in this room. And they started comparing their nightmares, and they were similar nightmares. So then one of the sisters said, If you're not quiet, they'll think this place is spooked. And all four of them just started laughing <laughs> when, when, when she said that. And... Um, they said, well, you mean like perfume smells, which we heard perfumes or smelled perfume smells. Uh, you mean lights on? Yes, there were lights always on. Um, the lady? Yes, there was a lady. So They knew uh, about the same lady. So then that family growing up in the 30s and 40s in that house experienced the things that we were experiencing in the late 80s and early 90s in that house, hmm. uh, which was pretty interesting. Um, didn't you know? <clears throat> here's the thing. Okay. 
I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of like you. I don't believe in ghosts, but I believe there are spirits, and demons, and angels. Mm-hmm. I'll accept all of that. And I'm not a Catholic. But if I had seen the stuff you'd seen, I would have been on the phone with a priest. And I would have had somebody come check this out. And there is only a couple my mind of times it. where there was... So far, these have been somewhat innocuous encounters. Yes. Um, I used to play music out. And my wife would come and watch me play. And she would always be dressed... I mean, to kill. I mean, she always just make sure she looked her very best when she came out to see me play. And one night I was playing out, and she came in in sweats, her hair messed up, a dirty old shirt. I mean, she did, it was like she ran from the house. And she, I saw her come in, and she literally came right up to me as I was playing music um, and told me that she left the house as she was because um, she was in the kitchen and she was starting, you know, to go upstairs to get ready and we had a little dog the dog's a whole other story he would just like bark in the cor- he would just like go up to the corner of the house and start barking <laughs> he would just, just i mean he would just he was always spooked or barking at something um but he wouldn't go upstairs he was he was barking and all of a sudden she said there was this pounding on the ceiling which would have been the second floor where our master bedroom was and there was this pounding and it got so loud that the dishes were shaking in the cabinets. And she literally was scared. And she left the house yeah. as she was. So so that happened that was kind of scary. We had um, some friends of ours, we found out later, that had also looked at the house thinking about buying it before we did. And they talked about just a presence that they just felt uncomfortable with in the house um, that they kind of picked up on. Um, did When you purchased the house was this information disclosed to you it was not but what's interesting when we sold the house the people turned it into a bed and breakfast and they invited my wife and i back to share some of our stories because they were experiencing similar stories yeah. and they wanted us to stay on halloween weekend to tell stories which is wow kind of cool i and i would think that as a bed and breakfast that might even be a marketing thing. Yeah, it could affect like, your sales. Sure. Well, I it's mean, no longer a bed and breakfast, but um, that was... There are people, if you told them it was a haunted house, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I want to pay to stay there. You know, stories are just coming back to me now, memories are. There was a... At Christmas, we had been to my grandmother's on Christmas Eve, and we came back, and that's the first time we really smelled this old, flowery-type perfume smell, this very powerful perfume smell. And the kitchen was probably 20 feet across, and on one side was a microwave stand, on one side was a sink. And we had this little Mrs. Claus that sat in a rocking chair, and she was sitting on the microwave. But when we got back after Christmas that night, she was sitting on the sink. And so we just thought, well, we one of us moved it. So I moved it back over where we had initially put it on the microwave stand. Came back in a little while later. She was now sitting back on the sink, but she was upside down in her in her rocking chair. <laughs> Trent didn't like that one. <laughs> no. Um, so all, again, dozens, dozens of things um, happened. Um, our my sister in law and her husband. 
um, had to stay with us for about a week because their hot water heater flooded their house. And while it was being repaired, um, they, they had their baby with them. And my sister-in-law laid him in a crib upstairs, and she laid his blanket over the side of the crib. She goes back to check on him, and he's now wrapped up in his blanket like you like you lay a baby down and you fold and tuck a baby. So he had in. been tucked in. He had been tucked in. Um, again, she no no one did it, but mm-hmm. somehow it happened. Um, and, and you know, the more I studied it. Um, a burrito. <laughs> at, at, again, at the time, we thought, well, this is a friendly ghost. This is a friendly presence taking care of the baby, taking care of our sons, kind of alertness when things are, are not going well in the house, so on and so forth. Um, but in knowing what I know now biblically and looking back, um, we don't think it was an angel. We think it was um, a demon and it, disguising itself as a, a presence that we could trust. We feel we probably got out of the house at the right time. We, we sold the house. Um, and th- again, the next people that bought it turned into a bed and breakfast. Um, but the, the best thing of all, about a year after we moved out of the house, um, it's my wife and I in the front seat, my two oldest sons in the back seat. They're like Oh, I think five, I've heard you tell this six. one before. We drive by the house to go to a soccer game. And as we drive by the house, my oldest son said, Mom, Dad, does the lady with the white face still sleep on our couch? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and we just, what lady? Well, you know, the lady with the white face that slept on our couch, does she still sleep in that house? And, we, and again, that was probably a year after we moved out of the house. That just really solidified to us that there was something in that house that wasn't right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was I was looking on, on my phone here that apparently there are no laws about disclosing, disclosing that you have a haunted house. But there was a case in 1991 in which somebody found out the house uh, that he had bought was, had a reputation for being haunted and sued and eventually wound up getting half of his down payment back. A mm. court said that it should have fallen under under buyer beware. That while it's true that a, a house inspection would not have detected it, that you have an obligation to let people know about the defects of your house. Mm. So at least in New York back in 91, somebody... There could, have been, there could have been spirits jumping out of us and we would have bought this house. It was such a good <laughs> deal. We knew if we put the work into it that we would get a profit. Um, so it wouldn't have stopped us. And my, my father did much of the work to the house and he would he would always say, it's the laziest ghost I've ever seen because it's not helping me at all <laughs> when I paint and take wallpaper down. There was another time we were going to put a spiral staircase going from the second floor to the attic. I think that makes things more spooky. Yeah, I love spiral staircases. <laughs> yeah. the, um, the attic um, ran the whole course of the house, and it was probably a 10-foot ceiling. I mean, just a very large... That's a huge space. Attic, huge space. And I thought, we can put a spiral staircase and have access to that. Um, so one day, I'm, I'm up in the attic. And I'm looking at the, the end of the house is, is, a, is a gable type shape, um, you know, and, and, and it looks like it's moving. And, and I'm, 
and so I get closer to it, and there are thousands of flies covering the entire wall. I mean, just the entire wall. And, and I've read where maybe that's indication of demons or whatever it could possibly be, but but the whole wall was 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 flies. Um, so, you know, so I got the whatever spray you get and put it up in there, fumigate it and, and, and kill the yeah. flies and swap them up and all. But, um, but you know, little things like that would kind of offset whatever we thought was maybe good happening. Yeah. You know. So do you think this is having your personal experiences? Do you think that makes you more, like when you hear people talk about claiming they've seen a ghost or claiming they've seen something supernatural are you more receptive to that or because i think a lot of us when we hear people talk about something crazy that they've seen we just dismiss them as their their eyes are playing tricks on them or they're making it up or whatever do you when you hear people talk tell stories when i watch ghost hunters and different shows on tv and and they something just touched me and i laugh at all that i mean Mm -hmm. because again i don't think that this embodied spirits or roaming houses mm-hmm. or the countryside or anything. I think I think there's demons and I think they're trying to trick you and lead you away from Christ. And 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 again, my walk wasn't where it should have been at the time and and I, I think that, that we were um, easy targets and it tried to get our trust by having us believe it was a person on this nineteen seventeen train yeah. accident. And, mm-hmm. And where that would have led, I don't know. And apparently the people who lived there before, it it tried to convince them of the same thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the people afterwards experienced things. And, and it's been so numerous times since we had it 25, 30 years ago. Yeah. So, I don't, I haven't, I mean, I just spoke to the owners that purchased it after we, who we sold it to. I don't know about other people's experiences. Um, but, you know. These things happen. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not, I, I don't, I, and I feel silly saying, and then I saw this woman holding packages, but, but it's the truth. And, yeah. and the only way I can explain it is, um, biblically, is that there are angels and there are demons, and this demon tried to deceive us into trusting and believing that it was a woman off a 1917 train accident. And um, for whatever reason, um, I just feel it was trying to lead us away from, from the truth, yeah. from Christ. I want to I want to touch on that a little bit. Um, a minute ago, you said that your walk at the time was not where it could have been, mm-hmm. and you think that made you. I think you said it made you an easy target. Yeah. So I think for some of our students who may be listening, they may not understand that, and they may not. For them, it might be hard to reconcile the idea of like a ghost not actually being a ghost. Mm-hmm. That there may be a true and a deeper power at play here. C.S. Lewis used to say, I think he once said, it may have been somebody else. I'm pretty sure it was Lewis. Most good quotes are. Yeah, yeah. you know. We'll say it's him. Yeah. We'll say it's him, but I could be wrong. <laughs> but he, I think, if it is him, whatever. Somebody said that there are two great ways that we can make a mistake when it comes to Satan and demons. And the first mistake is to not take them seriously at all. Mm-hmm. And the second mistake is to take them way too seriously mm-hmm. um, and that both are ways that we can really kind of fall off down a rabbit hole that we really don't want to go down yeah. um, 
when we think about America, we think about lots of ghost stories. We have TV shows, like you mentioned, where people are hunting ghosts and paranormal things. But when you hear about other countries, often impoverished countries, third world countries, and you hear about missionaries in those countries, it's not uncommon to hear some sort of account of demon activity. But we don't really hear that much in America. And uh, just returning to the idea of you being young in your faith, or maybe even a new Christian, and for anybody else who's not even a Christian, what could a demon gain by pretending to be a ghost? What could that maybe lead to? I don't know. Why do you think you were targeted? You know, I've, I've, I've thought of that, and I don't think demons are omniscient, so I don't think they can see into the future as to what my path would have been or my family's path would have been. Um, so I, I don't know if it was trying to steer us a certain direction to where my boys didn't become worship leaders or where I wouldn't have become doing the ministry that I'm doing. Um, I'm not sure if I can answer that, but what, what I know is um, with, with my walk today, I wouldn't have been as... as um, accepting of what was happening in my house. I would have, I would have understood it to be something evil um, and, and not trusted and think it's funny and cute. Um, I would have been more um, prepared, I guess, spiritually to, to, to worry about. My grandfather, who was a very spiritual man, would walk through my house and say, in the name of Jesus, go to the light. <laughs> and he would shout that. He would walk through the house and say that from time to time. Get him, Grandpa. Yeah, he was a good man. Um, well, then he's who I would have been calling. Like I said, yeah. Grandpa, I, come over. I would have been having holy water and whatever whatever trick of the trade there is. Yeah. Bring it in here. Well, I think that, you know, I, I have to think that for most of the ghost stories out there, I'm not. I, I kind of doubt that they are the, supernatural at all. Every single one. Yeah, I think sure. probably the vast majority. When Perfectly. I think I've seen things, I think it's probably my eyes playing a trick on me, mm. or I think a lot of times there's probably a scientific explanation to some sort of phenomenon. Sure. I'm sure the first people to see the Northern Lights thought something's up with that. Get that out of here. Heaven's coming down or something. Um, but you know, I think when you have personal experience like you and it, it's kind of like when I was uh, a few weeks ago on our show. I interviewed a I interviewed a friend of mine who made a, a documentary about people who claim to see uh, Bigfoot and and crypto cryptids. And I had the opportunity to go with him and uh, and interview some people who claim to have seen some of these animals. And they'll just as as clear as day they'll tell you this is what I saw and and uh, and this is how it affected me and like they're explaining anything to you and you know I have no reason to doubt yeah. that like what do people have to gain from that and so you know Larry your, your stories are pretty unbelievable mm -hmm. but I am compelled to believe what you're saying why would I be lying <laughs> there's no reason and, you know <laughs> Denise and I have, you know, we talk about it from time to time. We were like, okay, what could have really 
what, what could that have really been when, when something woke her and she looked and she saw a lady standing in the middle of our stairwell holding packages? What, what really... It, and then when I turn around and I see it kind mm-hmm. of vanish, we don't know what else that could have been. Yeah. You know, when we come back and we have the conversation of there's one light we're going to leave on so it's not a dark house... Um, but every light, I mean, even closet lights on the second floor are on. Every light's on. You know, she didn't sneak in and turn all the lights on and nobody yeah. did that. You know, so what, what is the explanation? She had nightmares that someone who lived in the house 40 years earlier had similar kind of nightmares. You know, there, there's another, I mean, stories just kind of keep coming to where it's a Saturday morning. We're laying in bed, kind of that just kind of woke up. What are we going to do for the day? And um, and we heard these steps coming up our 21 steps. The door of our bedroom opens up. The steps continue through our bed. We can hear the steps on the hardwood floor. goes over to the bay window, and the curtains flutter and go down. The windows weren't open. There's no wind. Again, we don't drink, we don't do drugs. We were just <laughs> just woke up from a night's rest. It was a Saturday morning. The sun was shining. Um, but if you ask my wife, she'll tell you the same things so that that happened, and we just looked at each other like, "My goodness, I would have needed to change the sheets." Happened to me. Just again, it, it was twenty five, thirty years ago. I, I haven't written all the things down. Uh, but as I tell the stories, I, they, they kind of just yeah. come back to me. Yeah. You ever seen anything weird, Troy? Only, only I think once in my life have I ever seen anything that I would remotely attribute to anything like this. Um, have you? I, I, the things that I've seen, uh, as a kid, I, I, I think they're called shadow people or whatever. That's one of those things you hear about on GOAT. I, I think I saw some of those, but I, I just chalk that up to I was a kid with an active imagination. Yeah. And I think when you want to see something, you want to be scared, you'll find a way mm-hmm. to be scared. Sure. Um, but, no, I've, I've never... I would, But, again, I would not have stayed in that house. I'm a, I, I'm, <laughs> I would have called well, really quickly. We, again, it, it had our trust to where we weren't really afraid for our safety. Um, it was just enough to kind of keep you on edge from time to time. Um, my walk now, I, I, I don't, I, I, I don't think, I'm trying to word this correctly, I don't think a demon would present itself in such a way to me or my family where we're at spiritually now. Mm-hmm. I think we have Christ in our lives, I think we're protected, um, and I, I don't think that that would happen where we're walking now mm-hmm. um, then with our walk it could have easily happened um, I think we're again we're vulnerable and easy targets but um, you know, you, you wrap yourself in, in scripture you wrap yourself in Christ's love and and um, and I think that there's a sense of protection there yeah. um, <laughs> no there it is <laughs> you anything else Troy any final thoughts um, well, no, just, I mean, just to reiterate what Larry said, that as Christians, I think we really only have, 
you have to do some pretty crazy mental hurdles when you read the Bible and it talks about life after death as existing in really one of two ways with mm-hmm. the Lord or without the Lord. Exactly. And it's very clear on what that looks like. Exactly. Um, to think that a human soul could remain outside of judgment, outside of God's power, outside of God's control, somehow remain here and still be conscious. I think, I think biblically it's, it definitely states what you just did. There's, there's heaven, there's hell. There's not this, I'm going to go back and do finish work or protect my loved ones or send them a sign. Mm -hmm. Um, If they're in heaven, they don't, they're not, they're not thinking about Earth. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like you said, if, if we accept that there are evil things in the world, then those things that might make us more receptive to it, easier targets, are probably the sort of things that, particularly as young people, you shouldn't be messing around with. Sure. You know, the, oh, the, the things that are intriguing or bizarre, don't, you know... Don't play the games you you don't need to play. Yeah. In order to experiment, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to advise against, an opening. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Don't. I wonder what voodoo is really like. You, know, you probably don't yeah, need you to don't figure it out. That. You know, yeah. um, because I think if if such entities look for uh, easy targets, then those are the sort of pathways that probably. Mm-hmm. And you know, for me growing up. I, I've just been too scared. To <laughs> you can't even watch ET. You're not going to play with a Ouija board. Exactly. I wouldn't touch something like that. And um, Ouija boards and psychics and just you know all the things that's on TV, ghost hunters and different things. Um, it's such a our culture now glorifies, mm-hmm. and it's it's so easily accessible. There's probably an app you can go to to help you read the future. I mean, yeah. you know, there, there's probably there's not. You guys need to come up with more. <laughs> Askyourpsychic.com. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure there there yeah, is. Yeah, it's called a magic eight ball. There you go. Yeah, um, and it's so prevalent in our society um, that I, I I think I think Satan laughs and yeah. he continues to to do his work. There's a quote from a movie where they say the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Exactly. Right. Um, Satan's not going to go after a mature Christian because what's he going to win? Yeah. Nothing. He's going to come up against a much greater foe. Um, But to people outside of Christ, it's so simple to believe in the paranormal and the supernatural. And uh, even in a modern age where we try to believe this idea that we, we as a Western nation, we're so advanced, we're so modern, we're so scientific and empirical in all that we think about. But you turn the TV on and it tells you that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, do we take them too seriously? Do we take them not seriously enough? Both are opportunities for a foothold. Mm-hmm. Well, I can say this. It is 4.32 in the afternoon. Mm. The sun is shining. I'm pretty uncomfortable right now. I'm spooked. <laughs> <laughs> it's a spooky day. Well, let me say this. I lived it, and I feel safe and secure, and I can't wait to drive home and see my lovely wife and start my evening. In other words, Larry, <laughs> Let's make a wrap. Larry ain't afraid of no ghost. Larry ain't afraid of no ghost. 
<laughs> All right, well. Because they don't exist. There you go. That's right. Um, I'm Troy. I'm Trent. And today we talked about spooks, spirits. Ghouls, goblins. Among other things. Thank you, Larry, for being here. Thank you, guys. It's an honor. Signing off. <laughs>